Hi friends, welcome to Growing as Grown-Ups, where we believe each of us has the opportunity to keep growing in ways that can fundamentally improve our life effectiveness, our leadership influence, and our well-being. Through interviews, stories, and practical principles, we explore how you can accelerate your growth and unlock your potential to make the difference you want to make. And now, your hosts from The Leaders Lyceum, Dr. Sarah Musgrove and Dr. Keith Eigel. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to the Growing as Grownups podcast. We are so excited to be starting off this new year with our episode today. I think it's going to be a really important one as we enter this new year. Uh, New Year's always seems to be a season when people take a little bit more time to reflect on life and what's important to them and the areas of life that they want to grow in in the coming year. And today's episode, I think, is a really great uh, topic Mm -hmm. as we discuss those things. And and Keith, the, the tagline of the Leaders Lyceum, um, for as long as I've been aware of it, has been developing the whole person. And we yeah. talk about that in our programs. We spend a lot of time talking about how we develop at work, how we develop at home. But there's the third area of our lives that we have a lot of opportunity to grow in, which is our beliefs. And that is what today's podcast is going to be targeting. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're going to be listening to today? Yes. Yeah, so, so excited to have Andy Stanley uh, gave us time and joined us. Sandy is the founder um, and lead pastor at North Point Ministries, an organization that is headquartered here in Georgia, but has campuses all over the Atlanta area and affiliate churches all around the country and around the world, even um, 30,000 people a week, Sarah, attend in person the uh, the campuses around the metro Atlanta area, over a million people a month download either messages wow. or Andy's leadership podcast. He hosts something called the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. He does a lot of work with businesses. Um, he has authored his 24th book is coming out soon. So he has written a lot. He's a best-selling author. He is just an amazing leader, amazing person, an amazing pastor. He is just great at growing himself. Mm-hmm. Right. He just has done that. And I thought, so let's make the topic about what, what can we do to really think about growing ourselves from a faith perspective in terms of sort of those beliefs that most people have. Right. And, um, uh, and Andy does such a great job, really honors the topic is not pushing any message on anybody uh, is also not vague about where he stands on some stuff right but it's but it was all appropriately uh positioned i think in the context of of really growing ourselves as grown-ups as whole people yeah and i just to take that point a step further um i think for for anyone who's listening who has any awareness of their sense of faith or spirituality there is relevance and importance in this conversation it is Andy comes from a Christian tradition and he, as you said, he, he talks about that, but the principles of how we need to continue to grow in the elements of what we believe to be true about the world and about any sort of spiritual nature is relevant, no matter what your faith tradition is. And so I would, um, really hope that our listeners, um, tune in, take it to heart and are brave enough to embrace what Andy has to talk about. So good. Let's jump into the episode and you and I'll visit a little bit afterwards. Sounds good. All right. Andy Stanley, welcome to the Growing as Grownups podcast. Hey, thanks. thanks for including me. So excited to have you here. You know, um, the audience may not know this, but I have been a part of the North Point Ministry system involved with Buckhead Church down in Atlanta. I've got to see you as a communicator, I think one of the greatest anywhere. As a leader, I've always said that your leadership may exceed your communication ability. But I tell you, in, the, in terms of what we do with our audience and, and, and the content that we try and provide, um, I think one of the things that's been most impressive to me about you is over the last 20 years, just the growth that I've seen in you. And I don't know if you think of it that way, um, uh, but 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 you have continued from my perspective to grow in your thinking and in some ways in ways that have upset people right yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that why they're upset the growth in my thinking i think that, it's that's, upset. A, that's a great yes. excuse from i'm going to use it from now on 
it's because I've outgrown you in my thinking. Yeah, that, I, so I think it's safer for me to say that than yeah. for you to say that. But <laughs> yeah, I, think I, so. I think it is the growth in your thinking. There's yeah. been a there's been a piece of that that's amazing. And you know, one of the taglines for the Leaders Lyceum for the work that we've done over the last um, almost 20 years now has been developing the whole person. And uh, we talk a lot about leadership. We talk a lot about family. We even integrate parenting. We talk about what to do with your direct reports, friend groups, all these kinds of things. But rarely do we talk about faith. And um, I thought, wow, if you were willing to, who better to kind of give us some insight into how do we keep growing in our faith? So if you're game, yeah, yeah, um, you know, maybe we could start with as as you've grown in your faith, right? As you have grown in your faith, we've we've always said that it's the it's the harder stuff in life that grows us. When everything is just smooth sailing, there's no reason for us to change or grow right. in the way that we understand the world. Are there landmark challenging times that you look back on and say, yes, these were key markers in my life? Yeah, and in full disclosure for your audience, you sent me these questions ahead of time because I'm, I like to prepare. So, yeah. And the questions that you sent were very challenging. Mm. Um, and so I'm glad I got them ahead of time. And so in answer, so I wrote some answers down. And the question of landmark transitions in terms of, of again, bumping into those either events, relationships, or emotions that, again, they're like a wall. And it's like, to get past this, I have to learn something new or I have to retreat. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And there were two early things for me. I'm a preacher's kid mm -hmm. and I'm a firstborn. Mm -hmm. So I'm a rule follower by nature. And what that did in me is it, it, um, it made me very judgmental because I was pretty good at being good. And of course, that's comparative, right? So I'm, I'm, I just became a very judgmental person, but I didn't know it because I'm blind to that. I just think, no, I'm just, I'm just doing things the right way, right? And everybody else is trying to figure it out. And to compound that, um, because my dad's a pastor, he um, would, and I did this with my kids too, and I don't think this is bad. He would come home and tell us stories about people's lives and essentially how, you know, to dip into my Christian theology, how sin had messed up their lives and ruined their lives and ruined their families. And, and he was using this as a warning, like stay away from sin. And my version of that is I would bring email home to my kids and people say, hey, do you have family devotions? I'm like, no, I just read email to my kids. You know, here's what, <laughs> look, look what happened to these folks. So that combination of things, I decided I'm gonna be a good person. I'm gonna be very careful. And what I discovered, again, thinking through this question, early on, I discovered that I was uncomfortable around anyone who was not like me. And I didn't know why, and I, of course I had an excuse for it. The excuse is, well, I'm, I'm a good person, I'm a wow. better person. And as I got older and kept bumping up against this, I realized there is something wrong in me. And I, it didn't cause me to abandon or question my faith, but it did cause me to question and abandon my approach to faith. Because I kept thinking, if I'm a Christian, and as a Christian, if I'm supposed to be like Jesus, Jesus was so comfortable around everybody. Mm -hmm. In fact, he was, seemed to be more comfortable around non-religious people, right? Why am I so kind of wigged out and bothered by people who aren't like me? And I realized this is my problem. And I think this is, again, your question, the way you phrased it was, was, it was very compelling. It was a landmark for me to realize I have some growing to do and some changing to do, and I don't need to dismantle or deconstruct my faith, but I do need to ask the question, why am I so uncomfortable around people who aren't like me? And I knew my standard narrative, you know, like we all have. Um, and that was, a, that was a big transition for me. And unfortunately, that came later in life than I even, you know, like to admit. So um, that was one. Um, wow. I, you know, there was a, you know, there was a defining moment in all of that for me. I, had a, I was with a counselor who asked me a really compelling question, and I'll, I'll share it with you. And again, it's within the context of my faith tradition as a Christian. Um, he saw this in me, and as any good counselor, you don't go right at it. You sneak up on it, and you cause the client to learn themselves. Right. And he asked me this question. It was so powerful. He said, Andy, he said, if you had been one of Jesus' disciples, and you had been there when um, Peter denied Jesus, how would you have responded? And before I could stop myself, I said, he's out. <laughs> Peter's out. I mean, what do you mean? What do you mean you don't even know who Jesus is? He's out. And Steve, my counselor, said, how did Jesus respond? And I said, I didn't want to say it out loud. I said, well, later he put Peter in charge of the whole thing. And in that moment, 
Wow. You know, I wow. just saw this ugly, judgmental wow. thing in me. And again, I didn't deconstruct my faith, but I had to rethink my approach to faith. And it began a, a journey that went pretty quick, and I became more comfortable around people who aren't like me. Yeah. So that was that was a landmark. That was a yeah. big defining moment for me. I think, I mean, one of the things that I've seen in so many people is this fear that their faith will be dismantled. Yep. If they can, if they confront what's going on in their mind, if they bump up against the way they've always kind of understood it, and I've heard you talk about um, maybe the reason your faith isn't working for you in adulthood is because you're still hanging on to a childlike or your yeah. ch the faith of yeah. your childhood, right? There's a lot of a lot of stuff in that, but the but when you think about this dismantling piece, do you? I, I mean, I think if, I think so many people stick it in a drawer. Right, they keep it separate from everything that's going on at work. They, yeah. they're, they're willing to lean into their growth journey in other places, but they, it's like they keep their faith in this little box. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think was so cool about this episode of the podcast is, is it possible to kind of give people permission maybe to open the drawer? And are there better and worse ways to even open the drawer? Yeah, in terms of faith specifically? In terms of faith specifically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and what happens if we don't open the drawer? I love that that word picture, and that was in one of your questions as well, Keith, that was so great, is as long as our faith is, as long as we've compartmentalized, well, compartmentalization is terrible for, for, for anything, right? I mean, if we're, if we're compartmentalizing, we're not connected relationally, emotionally, either way. But with faith, what happens is if you compartmentalize your faith, if it's just on Sunday and then I leave it there, our faith, like anything else, becomes a reference point as opposed to the context for the rest of our, for all of our life. Mm. And faith, um, as a Christian, is not supposed to be a reference point. Oh, I went to church, I was baptized, I prayed a prayer, you know, I checked the box. That's a reference point, but now I'm gonna live my real life. Well, imagine trying to make your marriage a reference point. Mm. I got married, I have a wife, she's at home, or he's at home. That'd go over great. Exactly, you're not gonna be married long. Imagine if you made parenting a reference point. Oh, we have kids, I know their names, I know their birthdays, I know where their rooms are. It's just, you know, it's a reference point. Well, yeah. you're gonna be a terrible parent. So the same is with faith. If faith is compartmentalized, if it's in a drawer, if it's left behind, if, and, and to the, I think to the, the point of our, part of our conversation, if faith is in conflict with the real world, well, clearly there's something wrong with faith. You know, that's the kind of faith you put in a drawer because it doesn't work at work, it doesn't work at home, it doesn't work in relationships, it doesn't work when I'm under pressure. I have to go to other things. So for the person that's afraid to pull it out and, and hold it up against the real world, um, you know, we need to do that. Well, because why pretend? Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and we can go into why I think people do that, but um, faith isn't designed, the, the reference point faith, it doesn't, is no good when things are really tough and you really need something to, that's an anchor as opposed to, oh yeah, check the box. Mm. Yeah. So we got off the original question about landmark yep. events and how do we how do we kind of integrate those into our into our lives? I know you've talked about pivotal circumstances a number of times playing a key role in people's journey. Um, you know, you've looked back, you've recognized that there are kind of key landmark times in your life that have that have changed you. Um, what have you seen? Like, are there better and worse ways to lean into sort of pivotal circumstances, landmark events, as we are trying to grow ourselves, as whole people, grow ourselves in our faith? Um, you know, if we're talking about faith specifically, again, um, and again, I think it's two different things. Growing our faith, you know, I, you know there, I think there are things that help us grow our faith when we're just trying to be intentional. Yeah. But when real life, conflicts with faith or mm -hmm. conflicts with our view of God mm -hmm. or conflicts with what we've always been told, that is when, I mean, to, your, to the point of the podcast, that's when we grow because there's challenge and there's tension. And it's always a mistake to look the other way. And in my faith tradition, I just, you know, I've just run into many, many people who just look the other way, that this real world circumstance doesn't line up with the faith that I grew up with. So I'm not going to adjust my faith or ask hard questions about my faith. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna look the other way. Yeah. And yeah. of course, then faith becomes a reference point because you, if, it, if it doesn't work in the real world, if it doesn't work within every capacity of my real life, mm. then I'm, at some point I'm pretending, right? I'm, I'm having to fake it. I'm, 
I'm just looking the other way. Yeah, and faking it is what a lot of people do for a big old chunk of their lives. They're worried about what other people are going to think. They're worried about. I'm, I, I don't. I mean, you, you've caught me off guard a little bit, and I love this with this putting having faith only being a reference point, and how ridiculous that would be in any other part of our mm-hmm. life, right? Um, so, so I mean, we we all of us have lenses that we see the world through. It is our frame of reference. It's the way that we understand ourselves. It's the way that we understand our relationships that we have. It's the way that we make sense about what to do and how to interact with the world. And when we take some component of our life, any component of our life, mm-hmm. and isolate it, compartmentalize it, make it a thing that we're not going to deal with in these circumstances, I think we're missing out on because we bring the whole of who we are and we if should. we're taking a component of who we are mm-hmm. and not making it whole, there's no integrity in that, really. No. There can't be integrity in that. And um, yeah, and so as I've thought about, you know, I, I think this is a thing that people bump up against. They bump, it, it is an opportunity for growth. When the real world intersects with how I understand my faith, it's an, it's an opportunity for, to grow. And I think one of the things that as I, as I did, as I wrote these questions, and it's going to be hard to stay on track with the questions in order, um, but I want to open the door for people, right? Give them permission mm-hmm. to just say, this is something that I ought to look into, that I ought to deal with, that I should not be scared mm-hmm. of, because eventually the big thing is going to come. That's going to, it's, it's going to be the death of somebody. It's going to be the loss of a child. It's going to be something big, right? That all of a sudden this thing that you've kept in place for a really long period of time has to come out. Um, I, there's a quote that I attached to a later question, but I'm just going to go to it now. I love, this is from Karen, Armst- Karen Armstrong. I think I read all of her books. I mean, I just was kind of on a tear for a while and, um, you know, your audience may or may not know her background, but anyway, um, she, she wrote this, she said, we, and I think this goes to the tension point, um, as to why we compartmentalize faith specifically. She said, we often learn about God about the same time we're learning about Santa Claus <laughs> as children. But our ideas of Santa Claus change and mature and become more nuanced, whereas our ideas of God can remain at a rather infantile level. Mm-hmm. And childhood God and childhood faith doesn't work in an adult world. Mm-hmm. But again, for those of us or in any faith tradition where you're presented with Here's what God is like. Here's what God has said. You know, here are the stories associated with your faith and tradition. If that's as far as it goes and it never grows mm-hmm. and it never matures, and, you know, because, you know, I'm a professional Christian, I have strong opinions on why I think people who do what I do, religious leaders, keep people's faith from growing mm-hmm. because of how they talk about faith and present faith. So when you're in a religious environment that keeps you kind of in an infantile state in terms of faith and what God is like and religious literature and all the rest, it, 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 almost, it almost makes it impossible for an adult to allow their faith to grow with them into adulthood. And if it doesn't grow with you, it can't withstand the rigors of an adult world. It can't withstand the rigors of marriage or marriage problems or financial problems. And so part of the problem is religious institutions are, and we can talk about why if it's that interesting, are not geared, I think, to help people's faith traditions grow with them. Yeah, I agree um, with that. And so consequently, the average person, I mean, we're busy. We're going to school. We're going to work. I don't, I don't have time to become a religious professional or a, to, you know, to read a dozen books. And, and so if my point of, if the place I'm going to, to help me develop a faith tradition that can survive and grow with me, mm-hmm. if it's not doing that, then I'm kind of left to my own. And most people don't have time or the resources or even the know-how how to do it. So what happens? I take my childhood faith with me into adulthood and I, I put it in a drawer or I leave it at home or I leave it at church because I got to go to work and I got to raise kids and I, you know, I've got to make adult decisions. And right. if I need it, I know it's there. Yeah. So... Anyway, so it's interesting. The adult, the, the the way we grow as grownups, the way we grow over the course of our lives, really starting in middle school. But there's the kind of Piagetian childhood stages of development. Mm-hmm. But those stages continue into adulthood. And you and I have talked about that at previous times, a long time ago. Um, the, the the growth journey is from narrower, simpler, more concrete, a little more me first, to more integrated expansive, complex, mm. uh, if we keep growing. And it's inter- the, the, the thing that 
I didn't really think of when I wrote these questions, but that you're, that's bringing to mind for me right now is that we get more complex and more integrated if we keep growing in all these other areas of our lives. Exactly. I mean, and if our faith doesn't or can't, or yeah. we haven't been taught how to do that, it, it can't, it, it just stops. Yeah, it's like there's- But some... we wanna be people of faith. So we carry our childhood, you mm. know, we let go of Santa, but we hang on to God. Yeah. And Yeah, and, and there's a different fear around God somehow. Well, I think fear is a big part of why pastors and church leaders, unfortunately, leave people in a bit of an infantile state. And I think this is, you, again, we, if you don't want to talk about this, I want to stick with your topic. No, this is good. So, and you, uh, you should, uh, you know, you, jump in on this because you've, we've all had our own experience of this. So, um, you know, I can only speak from a Christian tradition. So we're, the Christian tradition is there's a template. Here's some things we're supposed to believe about God, the Bible, Jesus. Here's, as children, here are the, these facts. Yep. Um, and because they're foundational or fundamental, we dare not move too far away from them lest people think we're moving away from faith. Yeah. Well, they become so traditional and so rooted when pastors and preachers begin to preach and teach, they dare not drift too far from the template I know. that we were given as children, mm -hmm. the language we were given as children, the images we were given as children. I mean, you can have some variations on some themes, but if you get too far away, um, people have decided you've left the faith. Yeah. So it is difficult, right? I mean, so it's difficult for people in my position sometimes to say, no, I've not left the faith, Yeah. but we have to move away from an infantile approach to anything as it relates to faith, or we have to leave our faith behind. That's so right. there is a there is a tension around absolutes, and to your point, growth. And as we grow, there aren't as many answers. There's less dogmatism. There's less. I mean, th there's there has to be more openness to more things, or you just can't grow. Once you stop being open to new ideas, you've stopped growing. And my the other quote I put in our notes. This is from Sam Harris. This may be my favorite Sam Harris quote. We must pay attention to the frontiers of our ignorance. Oh, I love it. Pay that. attention. It was in a podcast. I don't know if it's in one of his books. Pay attention to the frontiers of our ignorance, which means we have to be outward facing. Yep. But when my worldview is threatened, my natural inclination is to turn my back to the questions and just hang on to what I've always thought. And then we quit growing. Well, when you think about fundamentals of faith and absolutes that we think don't change and the tension of I'm going to pay attention to the frontiers of my ignorance. There is a tension there. Mm. And I think sometimes we've not equipped people. We've, we equip people to move into that tension in almost any other realm of life. But when it comes to religion or faith, um, it, it's as, it, it seems as if you can't do that. Well, I'm convinced you can. And I, part of it is because I feel like personally I have and you know, I try to integrate that into my communication. And that's and, and that's my journey as well. You know, I, this is I, I decided I, I lost a grandfather in two thousand or nineteen ninety nine, maybe one of just one, like you're lucky to get a grandfather mm -hmm. like this if you get one. And um, and it really set me into this place where I was thinking about who do I really want to be because he had such a huge influence in wow. my life, right? And um, and I'm probably, I don't know what I would have been at that time, mid-30s, some, somewhere in that range, maybe a little bit older than that. And I and as I integrated that, I, I, I made the decision that I wanted to be the kind of person that kept growing no matter what, mm. that I was going to always, that, that was the main thing is I wanted to push myself and I wanted to be about facilitating that growth in others. Well, um, uh, Rick Warren challenged you to sort of make application of that in all different areas of your life, mm -hmm. right? And so I thought, well, what's that going to mean in my faith to keep growing, mm -hmm. right? And I decided early on that I was going to courageously face my doubts. I was never going to put... As it relates to faith As it relates to faith specifically. Yeah, yeah. And I think that also applies probably to parenting, to values, to a number of other things yeah. as well. But <clears throat> faith specifically is where it gets different because the community is pretty good at ostracizing people if they even think out loud sometimes about their faith. Yep. And, and, yet, and yet doubt People is, get nervous. Yeah, they, they do. They get nervous. They do. They get nervous for you. Yeah. 
Right. And then, and then you get nervous and then you're thinking, okay, this is not a safe space. I, I, all of my fear that I had about even kind of trying to process this and think through this mm -hmm. is all going to come true now. I'm no longer going to yeah. be a part of this community. My whole <laughs> right. life is going to have to change. Yep. My wife may not be okay right. with this, right? All of these kind of things. What kind of example am I setting for my children? I mean, I'm just, I think I'm saying things that people are thinking, right? But, but if challenge is the thing that grows us, doubt is like the biggest gift we can get. Yep. If we're willing to lean into it. Exactly. It is a gift. It is not, doubt is not the enemy. Doubt and questions, again, that's staying attuned to the frontiers of my ignorance. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And it's okay to say, I don't know, but it's in the faith world, you're not supposed to say, I don't know. You know, right. Jesus is the answer. Whatever the right. question is, Jesus right. is the answer. I don't know. Um, so I, one of the things that I, I wrote in my notes, because I, I wanted to make sure I dropped this in, because this is so helpful, is that if we get this right in any realm of life, but I think even in faith, when we discover we've been wrong, that should be a point of celebration mm. because now we're right, or at least we're righter, more or at right. least we're more moving, right. we're m more right. Yeah. But as a Christian, and again, in any fundamentals of faith, I'm I'm, I've already got my box, I've already got my answers, I've already got a worldview. Mm -hmm. Anything that threatens my worldview, again, I either don't look there or I feel like, to you, your point, oh, I've got to set aside the entire worldview if I look outside that worldview but to celebrate being wrong because now I've learned something new. Mm. If, if God is who Christians believe God is, there should be no fear in that. There's no conflict between God and science. There's no conflict be between God and nature. There, there can't be if we really believe That's right. God is who we say God is. So, there, we, and again, the thing that Jesus specifically, in terms of warning people about more than anything else was fear, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, and yet, if you have a faith, if I have a faith in a box that makes me afraid to look outside the box, or I'm afraid of what will happen to my box if I look outside the box, I've got the wrong box, clearly. Yeah. It, again, if I take my faith tradition seriously. Yeah. But there's a, there's a tension there. Um, so anyway, and again, you put yourself in my position as somebody who, I don't want to be wrong, and I don't want to ever lead people astray. Yeah, I know that. But I'm, I've, I've got to be anchored to a some fundamentals, some assumptions about faith, but yeah. at the same time to stretch personally far enough to where I can continue to learn, attempt to take people with me, but not make the mistake, and pastors do this all the time, not make the mistake of making my faith journey the theme of my preaching or my teaching, because that's selfish and self-centered. Mm -hmm. And if I do that, and then I may lead people astray as I'm going astray. Right. So there's all these kinds of things swirling around. So for me, one of the most helpful things. Wow. I don't want to lose that last yeah. thing you just said. Well, we can talk about that. Okay, can we come back to yeah, where you yeah. were going? Because I want to come back to the whole doubt thing, the, the, the fear thing, the bumping up against it thing. But I think what you just said actually hits on a thing that is really important for leaders to know. Right? And maybe growing into this to take it into the growing as grown-ups world, but I think for leaders to know is that there are times to share your thinking out loud. And there are times not to share your thinking out loud. Or to right? be careful who you share it with. Or to be careful who mm -hmm. you share it with, yep. right? Because you could take other people off track. And the stakes. And you're for, just thinking and, out loud. And you're just thinking out yeah. loud. But the stakes for you on a weekly basis, depending on whatever week it is, it may be 100,000 people hear the thing that you say. And if you're just kind of thinking out loud no, to yourself, that, you can't you know? do that. I don't yeah. have that luxury. And I don't think anyone who does what I do has that luxury. Mm. And I think it is a misuse of our platform to do that. Not because you don't want people to grow. And it's not a lack of transparency. Right. It's maturity. Just sharing yeah. what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling because I want to be real. That's not real. That's immature. Right. Because to your point, there are different audiences for different, you know, different things we say. I, and an example of this, I remember um, when Allie, my daughter, our youngest, was home from college. She's probably a freshman. And I was reading a book that was kind of an off, you know, off the off the map book religiously yeah, right because I just I try to read broadly right and so Sam, um, Allie was home and we were sitting in the living room and I was telling her about this book huh. and um, you know we were she loves this kind of she loves theology so later Sandra said I don't I don't think you should talk about that with Allie okay and I thought you're right this is you know I'm older I have 
bigger context, yeah. I, my anchor, I feel like my anchor to my faith is is a chain. I, I I feel like I'm so I'm more secure ever that in what I believe. So consequently, my chain can be longer, mm -hmm. which allows me to pay attention to the frontiers of my ignorance without being afraid I'm going to lose my faith. But here's my 20-something-year-old daughter who's in a philosophy class That's in college, which is what kind of ginned up this conversation. I thought, yeah, I've just... I've, I may have accidentally handed her a suitcase that's too heavy for her to carry. Mm. And it should, it's not that it shouldn't be carried, but I, I can carry it. This is, I've, I may have, and Sandra was exactly right. And, it, you know, nothing came of it. But it was just that sensitivity of there are things you talk about with some people and things that you, that you don't. So how do you think, you, how, how do you find the group where not only is it safe for you to bring it up, but it's safe for them for you to bring it up? I mean, that's... You know, I, it's yeah. interesting. I'm. We're, I thought we're, we're doing that now, right? I, we're, no one's listening into this. Oh yeah, my gosh! I mean, us. that's well. I think as long as we don't <laughs> unload, but I, you know, some A career-ending podcast. I, I won't me. get into the modern <laughs> ones because I don't even want you to be tempted to comment on anybody who's still out there. But Thomas Martin had a few, huge influence on me during the middle of my life, and Richard Rohr more recently, um, in some ways. And 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 um, and when and when you start reading a lot of what they're processing out loud, especially with Martin, where he journaled. Publishing it. He journaled, journaling yeah. and publishing it. Um, it shook me up at a good time for me to be shaken up, right? But it shook it, but it's like, yeah, I don't think you're ready for Martin. I don't think you're ready, it, it, right? There's a, and, and, I, mm -hmm. and, and there's a part of me that doesn't wanna make that judgment for someone. There's a part of me that doesn't wanna be irresponsible with the influence that I have. But there's a part of me that wants a community to continue to process mm -hmm. what I'm thinking out loud and where is that safe? And I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that or insight on how we find people who maybe can meet us where we are on the journey. We can meet them and, and, and we can grow together in that way. Well, I don't have any insight on how you find them, but the point you're making is an important one. We have to find them. And I think, you know, one of the things that you and I are observing now with, um, you know, 20 year olds and 30 year olds deconstructing their faith. It seems that they deconstruct it on their own on social media or with people, perhaps, again, I, I, I don't, I don't want to judge because I don't know all of these individuals, but I, I guess I should put it this way. I wonder sometimes if they are processing that within this context and processing it long enough to once they've deconstructed their faith, then they begin talking about it. But to deconstruct it out loud with the wrong audience is not only dangerous, it again has the potential to, peop to, to plant seeds in people that they're not, you know, the ideas with people. It's that, just not where they are on the it's journey. It's not where they are on the journey and they don't, have any, they don't have any place to turn. Again, you've just handed me a rock I've got to do something with. I'm not, wow, I, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, I, I mean, I, for, from my perspective, we work a lot with the millennials. We work a lot with the, not, not, so much the, not so much the generation that's in high school and even in college so much now. But I think a lot of the deconstruction of faith has been actually related to the developmental journey that people are on because through our 20s, with rare exception, and into our 30s, and for some people, they never actually keep growing from this stage, their understanding of themselves, the world, God, everything else is from the outside in. It has been taught to them. It has been influenced right. by friend groups, groups that they affiliate with, mm -hmm. ideologies that they have mm -hmm. resonated with. And there is some pull. They have some ownership in what affiliations they make. But then you get to college, you get the internet, you get professors, you get, you get people asking you to make decisions for yourself when you're really not yet at the stage of life where you're making decisions for yourself. Mm -hmm. You're not authoring who you want to be. And I've got hope based on what I've seen with kind of the older millennial generation that there will be a reconstruction in a way that we may be- We've seen some of that even, yeah. And we may say, oh my gosh, that's better than when they left. Well, I, see, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I think it is better. I, I think, because you, you never lose by asking honest questions if you're honest with yourself about your questions. I mean, there are people right. who just want to ask questions to you know deconstruct my faith so they feel, I mean, there's that. but. But again, and again, my limited experience, but you know, I read pretty broadly. I've, I'm under the impression, that, I know we're off topic a little bit, but this is true of any season of life. When a person begins to deconstruct their faith, I'm always curious, what, tell me about the faith you're deconstructing. And in 100% of the conversations I've had in this space, mm -hmm. the faith, the Christian faith specifically, mm -hmm that, and these are older people as well, yeah. that, are, that are, they are either consciously deconstructing 
or circumstance, circumstances deconstructed for them. Something so traumatic happened that their faith just couldn't hold up under the weight of that. In both cases, what I've discovered is the version of faith that they're deconstructing or the version of faith that collapsed under the weight of real life mm -hmm. was not the faith presented to us in the Gospels by Jesus. Right. It, because there are multiple versions of the Christian faith. And um, so in the, the false versions or the immature versions or the partial versions, they don't hold up and they should be deconstructed. Or going back to the beginning of our conversation, if there was a way to mature faith as we went, we would end up with a mature faith that doesn't require deconstruction. But if I take the template from elementary school and middle school, mm -hmm. and that's all I've got, yeah. and then it, it just doesn't work, it doesn't hold up. So I have two choices. I can just look the other way when things conflict with it, or I can examine it and say, okay, something's got to change. And so Anyway, that's, but again, that's just based on... This is so aligned with everything we teach. So I love this conversation. I love that we're being this overt about what I know a lot of our listeners are actually dealing with. Or right? their kids or grandkids, yeah. Exactly. So um, I, I wrote a question. You've spent your entire adult life, um, arguably all your life, focusing how to bring others along on their journeys. Um, are there a set of principles for growing well that people can put into practice that will accelerate their growth as grown-ups? I'll just tell you what I wrote, because I, I, I love that question. Um, and again, this is, you know, this is uh, just my list. Um, we have to read, I think, for, read broadly or listen broadly mm -hmm. so we get outside our, our bubble. Love that. Um, and the earlier people do that, I think, the better to some extent. Um, and then I think it's so important to listen to people's stories. Um, because shared experiences, or not even shared experiences, different experiences that we share bring people together. And, and, and in those moments, I have an, oh, I thought you did that because, but oh, well, now I know your story. Well, if I were you, I would do the same thing. If I were raised the way you were, I would believe the same thing. Uh, oh, and the oh moments bring people together. And when that happens, our bubbles collapse, and then we have a bigger bubble, and our worldviews get taken apart, and then we have a different worldview. And if our worldview can't encapsulate or include the realities of the world and the realities of people's experience, then our mm. worldview is wrong. It, 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 it has to be able to contain that. And one of the best ways, and it's so uncomfortable, is to listen to people's stories and to pursue the stories of people who aren't like us or who weren't raised like us. And that's, that's certainly not a new insight. But going back to my early years as a Christian, I so insulated myself. Mm, that relates to your opening story. Oh, it, yeah. yeah, I insulated myself because it wasn't comfortable. And I think there was a fear of if I listen, I'm going to let my guard down and I'm going to like these people. I'm going to feel sorry. It's, again, there was a fear of yeah. what's going to happen to my faith. Well, my faith was so immature. Um, the third thing I wrote down, and this is straight out of the book of James, is, you know, just be quick to listen and slow to speak, right? Just yeah. be quick to listen. Be curious. Be a student, not a critic. You know, we're all critics quickly. Just that's something I teach all the time with leaders. Look, when you're younger people on your staff or new people come in with ideas, you know, wow, say wow, don't say how. Be a student, not a critic. And then the last thing is a prayer I pray multiple times a day. And I don't say that because it's my profession. This is, this is just, you know, my default. It's what I wake up thinking about, honestly, and go to bed at night thinking about. I just pray constantly, Lord, help me to see as you see. Wow. And help me to see people the way you see them. Help me to, I just, I, I just acknowledge I don't see clearly. I acknowledge I don't see people clearly. I acknowledge there's so much about the world I don't see clearly. Help me to see, and specifically help me to see people the way that you see them. Mm. And um, back in that, you know, those early years when I was learning so much about myself, that was so disgusting and embarrassing. I mean, I was already in ministry and I, I should have known better. Um, there was a, there, there was a, a situation, a group of people I just was so angry with. And um, I asked my counselor, I said, how do I know if I'm getting any better? And he said, this was so helpful to me. He said, when you can feel toward them what you think your heavenly father feels toward them, mm -hmm. you're getting better. Mm. And then he said, how do you think God feels about those people? Do you think God's mad at them? 
I'm like, no, but I am. And he says, well, there's the disconnect. So you, you, you that's your, so I just began to pray. Yeah. I said, God, I want to see them the way you see them. And I want to feel toward them oh the way gosh. you feel them. Yeah. And again, what does this do? This doesn't deconstruct my faith. Yeah. This makes my world bigger because I don't want to be an angry person. And it doesn't matter who's wrong or right. Yes. He, he was right. You know, God's not angry with them. You know what God's angry with? God's angry about the break in the relationship. And when I can be angrier or more concerned about the break in the relationship than the people I've broke, the relationship's broken with, then I'm making progress, whether yeah. we ever see the yeah. world the same way or not. So anyway. Mm, I, I mean, I could go for, we don't have time, but I could go for a long time on that. I j just the points of application are so far beyond. I mean, when you look at the the political division, the racial division, the yeah. social unrest, the the the, the um, socioeconomic division. Yeah, what wouldn't this, that solve, right? Right, and 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 yet it's interesting that we're not. It's like, uh, oh gosh, they're Muslim, or oh, oh gosh, they're so, they're something else, or right. they believe something right. else, and I'm, and what are we afraid of? And I guess we're afraid that maybe the faith that we've constructed won't hold up. Won't hold up. Yeah. We're, we're afraid we're wrong and we're afraid of being wrong and we should never be afraid of being wrong. We should be afraid of staying wrong. Yeah. I don't know who said this. I wish it was original with I me. And maybe you've, you can tell me who's, where this came from. The question um, someone asked, and I don't even remember the context, was do you know what it feels like to be wrong? It feels like being right. Because when you're wrong, you think you're what? Wrong. You think you're right. When you're wrong. Oh, yeah, no. I know. But yeah. I think I'm right. So what does it feel like to be wrong? It feels like being right. So, I mean, I know it's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's a bit circular. I wish I'd come up with that. I don't know who somebody out there probably knows where that originated. But, but the point is, I, we're afraid of being proven wrong. And people of faith, and this is, you know, this is, should be embarrassing to us. We're afraid that if we're wrong about this, huh. then what if we're wrong about everything? But if there is a God, the way that Jesus presents himself as a representation of God, we just don't need to fear that. We should fear staying wrong. Because, I mean, you're the expert on this, not me, but in any area where I cling to something that's not true, someone will be, eventually get hurt. Yeah. There is always a relational hurt around the corner when I cling to something that's not true about really almost any realm of life. Yeah. So again, staying focused on the, you know, the frontiers of my ignorance with a, an anchor to a faith. Um, I don't know. I know you read the question, what's the most exciting, scary, motivating, et cetera, thing about continuing to grow yourself. Is it scary still at any point for you to think, man, what if I bump up against that? What if I lean into that a little bit? Um, or, or is it now this mindset that I want to stay on the frontier of my, frontier I, of my I, ignorance? I am more comfortable with that than ever. And a lot of this has to do with um, the anchor for my faith. And, and you know, you, you, you're, you're part of our church, so you hear me talk about this stuff all the time. The, the anchor for my faith, I mean, you, you know, we, people try to anchor our faith to a lot of different things. But the Gospels to me, and following Jesus through the Gospels, is so consistent and it's so clear, and they're so historically reliable. And the event of the resurrection um, is why we have the Bible. And the event of the resurrection, if it is true, then it is the anchor, it's the epicenter. And for me, the, the more I have allowed my faith to, to be centered there, the for me at least, the clearer everything gets. Not the smarter I become and not the more insight I have, the clearer and the less fear I have about what I don't know and what I might discover. Hmm. And I don't and know that, that I can even that explain it. you up it, then. Yes, it's again, the, how, you know, if, if, you're, if the anchor is secure, you can have a longer rope. Wow. Your chain oh can get longer. Gosh. It can, it, you know, you can extend and extend and extend without feeling like you're, you're gonna go off the edge, you know, of, of the world. And so um, it, it, it frees you to explore, it frees you to read, it yeah. frees you to read things contrary to what you, hmm. because, Again, if my faith can't hold up against new information, well, there's something yeah, wrong with my there's faith. Something wrong. There's, there's something wrong. wrong, yeah. And but with with so many faith systems, there's there's fear. Well, I hope the I 
I hope the church leaders that need to hear this hear this somehow. I hope, but 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 I think this exact point is relevant to leaders in industry. I I, I think they get in. They've they've got their do, their leadership dogma, mm-hmm. and they and they've realized success with it. And then it's like, but but man, I, if I mess with that, the whole thing could come unraveled. You answer this for me, because you, you deal with leaders consistently and, and more broad. My theory, this is totally theory, I have, total theory, I have nothing to base this on. T- to your point, when people feel like, oh, this is how I've always done it, this is what works, these are principles, they're fundamental, and if I don't do it this way, I'm not sure. My observation in life is there are people who are just going to do great things. And after they've done great things, and as they're doing great things, they pull in bits of this and that, and they kind of build a castle around that explains why they were able to do great things. Yep. But it was an, it's an aftermath. It's an afterthought. Um, they, there's an intuition among, there's a leadership intuition. I'm, I'm sure of that. There's just an intuition. It's beyond smarts. It's intuition. And people with that kind of intuition lead and end up in leadership. And the principles, because I love to read leadership management literature, but I don't think I've ever met a great leader who would say, you know what, before I read this book, I had no clue what I was doing. You know, before I read this book, I was floundering and I was never going to accomplish anything. And I'm not discounting the value of those books. I, I love that kind of stuff. But it, the point being, when a leader or manager or anybody, any realm of life feels like, oh, I have this dogma or I have this framework and I can't yeah, question it, I'm like, you know what? you would be probably as successful with or without that. So don't be afraid of asking those hard questions at times. I don't know if that it, makes sense. Yeah, it, no, it makes sense. And, and what we believe is happening as people construct their own system to, or their dogma, they would never call it a dogma. No, no, no. It is their, but it is their paradigm yeah, that paradigm. has been refined by um, all of these sources mm-hmm. that built and over their the course of their life yeah. and their experience as they grow over the course of yep. their life, they begin to have what we call a self-authored framework. And what happens is that what we believe is 85% of the population, when they gain a self-authored framework, their way of mm-hmm. seeing, doing things, 85% of the population doesn't grow beyond that. They don't grow to something bigger where they're able to let go of their framework and take a perspective on it and compare it to other frameworks where a larger value system can begin to integrate multiple perspectives. Wow. That was a lot of academic. No, well, that just, makes sense because I've sort of built my castle and I'm, kind of, I'm out of blocks and I'm out of time. And why, why mess with it? And, but then I stop. And so the lucky ones get fired by their board, lose a child, hmm. get cancer, have something that that tears the structure that they built around this down. Mm. And they're like, okay, so now what? Any Everything that I was afraid of, everything that I was trying to protect is now, is now exposed. Yeah. And then they grow. I mean, I've had the privilege of interviewing some people who've gone beyond this, what we call level four for our audience, but this kind of self-authored framework and have grown to a place of amazing wisdom, kind of Nelson Mandela, mm-hmm. kind of Martin Luther King Jr., Abraham Lincoln, this a wisdom that knits together and start to, instead of manages the separation or the difference between, right? Wow. And they all have stories of loss that none of us would sign up for, mm-hmm. right? They are, it, yeah. it, it, and, and yet we don't have to experience that loss. We can I'm going to steal this phrase from you. I'll give you credit as much as I can, but to live on the frontiers of our ignorance, Mm -hmm. right? To keep pushing up against that boundary. And that's, again, I kind of started our conversation with this, but that's the thing that makes me so proud to be a part of and, and living under your leadership as a pastor of North Point Church, Buckhead Church, the whole North Point ministry system is that I've seen you do that at times that I thought, ooh, there's He's going to be get some it. backlash yeah. to that one. <laughs> and there, and there is. There and it's is. usually on the internet, but then the people who can't deal with that are probably the people that need to be finding a place that maybe isn't where and again, I, intersects. I don't usually do that. On I'm always surprised. I, I'll say things and I'll think, uh-oh, and there's nothing. And then I'll just, it's not on purpose. And then people take something and run with it. And I'm like, what? They, you know, so I'm, I'm usually... Um, surprise. And 
People in my position should never use that as a, a thing, a shtick. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, this will this will get them. This will gen up. Here's some clickbait. Right. I, I, you know, I don't have a lot of respect for people who do, that, especially in my profession. That's not what we're called to do. Yeah. But stretching people, um, you know, during the political season, we've just come through the racial unrest, especially in our city in Atlanta, and so many other things. Anytime you, you know, address any of that, and and I, people who do what I do, we should. For not, I don't want to be the the current events church where, you know, we're just, whatever happened this week, we're gonna talk about it in church. Right, right. But from time to time, you hit pause and talk about those things. And I know every time I wade into those topics, I'm going to be misunderstood because you, they're emotional and you can't talk about them perfectly and you can't nuance everything mm. or you'll be there all day, you know, qualifying every statement, defining every term. Yeah. But you do have to wade in and give people something to hold on to. And then you just put your head down and you, you, yeah. know, you just keep going. A lot of times it's bumping up against the stuff that they've stuck in the drawer, right? I that is, think so because I bumped up so much of the stuff that, you yeah. know, I stuck in my drawer. Well, thank you for pushing yourself. What are you, what's, what are you most excited about in your world right now? What's the, what's the, um, I well, mean, you've got so many things going. You've got there's 20 plus books out. Do you have one in process right now? I'm certain you do. You've got the leadership podcast, so many things working. I just got the galleys back on a book that last spring, I just kind of got fed up with stuff in church world with politics and a lot of other things. So I just started writing. Like I just, I just gotta get, I say writing, I don't write. I gotta get it out. So I wrote four chapters. I thought, this is just gonna sink my career. Put it away, literally put it away. Into the summer, I'm like, no, I gotta do this. So I just turned in a manuscript. So the book's gonna be called Not In It To Win It. Um, basically why politicizing the local church is just, a horrible thing to do. Mm. Wow. Um, so the problem is I'm not going to ask anyone to endorse this book because nobody's going to want to endorse it because they're not going to, even if they agree, it's like, I don't know if I can put, you know, I, you know, because it's, because it's so scary to, it's so scary to try to stand in the middle, right? Yeah. Because you, oh, you're, you know, take a stand, you're compromising. I'm like, no, I learned this from Dr. King reading the letter from a Birmingham jail. I think it was that book where he said, if, you know, in his situation, I'm not, please, I'm not comparing myself to Dr. King. I learned from Dr. King, you know, there was a group that said, go back to Boston. You're not even from the South. You have no business down here in our business. Um, there was a group of black leaders that like, we were, we're gonna march at night and it's gonna be violence to violence. And there's a group that's like, give us more time, give us more time, give us more time. And he adopted none of that. And he stood in the middle. And then he says, if you stand in the middle, you're gonna be shot at from all sides. And yet, again, as a Christian, I read the Gospels, and everybody tried to get Jesus to take their side. Everybody. Hmm. And he didn't come to take sides. Tony, said, Tony Evans, he, Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. He said, I'm, I'm <laughs> establishing a brand, a different kind of kingdom, an upside-down kingdom, and it doesn't fit with any of those narratives. And, you know, Ugh. everybody he intersected with became a footnote in his story. I cannot and so, wait for that to come out. Well, How do people get connected with the resources associated with all the work that you've done? And I, I mean, again, the list is long. The podcast is out there. Is there, I, I should know this. I should have known this in advance, but what, well, I know how I find you. I don't know uh, how others should. Well, find there's you. the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. That's, you know, wherever podcasts are found. Really, um, you can just Google up Andy Stanley and yeah, it all starts coming up. So yeah, that's really good. I have a YouTube channel with all of our messages, you know, our church stuff yeah. on there. Um, and then there's books and I've had lots of great opportunities and just try to be a good steward of opportunities. So. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you for um, uh, taking the opportunity to spend time with us. What a gift of your time for this audience and just for, for a conversation that I got to hear you say some things I haven't heard you articulate before. So I loved it. I hope they're true. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> on the, no, thank you. On thank the you edge. for what you're doing. Because as, as I said early on, when we, when we sat down, this, the angle that you've taken this narrow slice of leadership, um, I, I never heard anyone even talk about it before. And so oh. um, I'm sure it's very successful and your podcast audience, I'm sure it's growing like crazy. So thank you. We, we, we love what we get to do. Thanks. Thanks. Keith, I love that conversation with Andy so much. He had so much great wisdom to share, so many things that have challenged me in my thinking and that I want to go back and listen to. Um, just this idea that, that, that our beliefs and our faith is something that we can't just put in a drawer, that we need to take it out and let it grow with us in our maturity as we grow in other areas of our lives. So I love that conversation. Thank you for 
for asking him those tough questions and for him being uh, honest and open about it. Yeah, he made it easy. So Andy, if you're listening to our outro, um, thank you. It was really <laughs> a special treat to have him with us. Yeah. Um, you know, to jump off of your point just a little bit, Sarah, this idea of not putting it in a drawer. One of the things that really jumped out at me is his um, statement that if we anything in our life that we compartmentalize, that we do put in a drawer, that we keep it separate from other things, um, only becomes a reference point to us. And in the things that we interact mm -hmm. with all the time, that, that they aren't reference points, right? That we've got to we, we've got to keep growing it and that we shouldn't ever be afraid of being wrong. Yeah. Right. I mean, everybody just heard the conversation so they can contextualize that, that, but, you know, from a vertical development standpoint, the series that we just came out of, right. There are times in our life where we bump up against things that are challenging us, not only, you know, relationally or circumstantially, but, but, but challenging what we hold to be true. Yeah. And, um, and if this episode created one of those moments for you, how cool is that? What an, it's a, it just is bumping up against a great opportunity for growth. Um, yeah. On that note, I love the, I don't know if other people caught it, but um, the connection between what Andy was saying of some of the fear of challenging our, our beliefs is connected to the, the community that goes along with faith. Right. And both Bob Keegan and Nancy Pop talked about how the the challenge of growth is being willing to kind of let go of these holding environments that have defined who we are, that we have associated our identity with. And yet, if we continue to just hold on to an immature version of our faith that makes us feel accepted in our faith communities, we're at risk of not growing, not holding on to, um, kind of the deeper truths and not developing a mature faith that, that can handle the complexity and the challenges of adult life, as you talked about. And so just having mm -hmm. that to think about is separating the beliefs from the, the community that go, that goes along with those beliefs so often. Yeah. I mean, that's so good. Uh, I love the idea of the holding environment and as as Nancy said in her either first or second episode, I think it was the first episode actually where she used the Cheerios metaphor. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't necessarily need to be quit becoming a Cheerio when you begin to, you know, author more of what this is going to mean to you, which is what we do in all other areas of our lives. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. the thing that jumped out, Andy quoted a guy named Sam Harris yeah. Um, in this, but, but this idea of paying attention to the frontiers of our ignorance. And, you know, there's a lot about our work worlds. There's a lot about the communities that we live in that does not allow us to openly explore the challenges that we have around our belief system, as much as it does around challenges that we may be facing at work or with our children or in our marriage or all these other things, right? We, this is one of those things that I think it is more common to either keep it segmented, compartmentalized, or literally put in a drawer, right? I'm just not going to open that drawer. I'm only going to open that drawer and just use it for a little piece of something that I need. And then, and then I move on. But this idea of paying attention to the frontiers of our ignorance and that, and that we should never be afraid of being wrong. We should be afraid of staying wrong. Mm, right? That, I just I, Right there. I love it. Yeah, I got a feeling that will be quoted in the social media pieces <laughs> somewhere, don't you, Beth? Yeah, um, one so other thing that um, to kind of take that a step further, a question that we get a lot when we're teaching our formula for growth, which starts mm -hmm. with challenge and contradiction. People go, yeah. what do you mean by contradiction? And I think when Andy was talking about how doubt is a gift, right? Doubt is not something to be afraid of. It, it's a gift for us to push into what we don't currently understand to develop a more sophisticated understanding of the, the teachings of the faith. That to me is a contradiction when something in my life that I'm experiencing doesn't make sense in light of what I believe to be true. 
it's not that one or the other is right or wrong. There's a contradiction that says, do I need to lean in and expand that understanding so that, that the truth does make sense in these contexts, that it's, it's a contradiction to the way I currently believe it's not a challenge to the, the truth of faith in general. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, yeah. Again, it just, it, it, it is, it is just, I, I, I don't know if I said this well a minute ago, but it is, it is just fuel for growth, mm-hmm. right? It is just flat out fuel for growth. Anytime we can bump up against something that our current lens cannot make sense of, right? We talk about this with the growth gap tool. We talk about this with the leader levels thing. The whole vertical development series is like bumping up against these things where we don't just choose one environment over the other or worse segment our environments and not become whole people. It's more the idea that, that, um, that, that, that we need to reconcile the tension and, you know, the, the, Andy said this in multiple ways during this um, during this interview. Um, uh, but we, but but what are we afraid of? Right? We can't we can't be afraid of allowing that reconciliation if if our faith is what we say it might be, or we say it is. We say what is it is what it is. Um, are we saying our faith can't handle the world, mm. can't handle, right? And, and, yeah. and his whole statement about, from his perspective, there is no contradiction between God and science, between God and, and, and earth. Yeah. Um, I just thought I, the whole thing was really powerful and I hope challenging for people, right? To, to, to be thinking about what do they hold to be true about this and how, how does it reconcile that? Yeah. Um, all again, frontiers of our ignorance just was thematic to me through that, that thing. That's the thing I've quoted the most since I gave the interview. It's like, what was the interview? Like it's man, this one phrase just keeps popping out at me. Right. And that was, yeah. that was it. Um, really there was profound. another little, uh, did I cut you off? I'm sorry. No, I was just saying that's a really profound thought to sit with. Yeah, this was almost, I asked him a question about how do we find people to, that we can sort of explore this with when the worry, fear, resistance of exploring it in a community where we may practice our faith. His answer was just so good to me um, because it echoed a theme that we've heard through, I mean, at least half of these podcasts. He said, I don't know how you find those people to walk the journey with you, but you have to find them. <laughs> right. Right. Don't, right. Don't, don't do this alone. Yeah, I think that is important. His his advice uh, around that and just some of the other things, um, the ways we can grow is really, really powerful. And I mean, Andy said so much, I don't feel like we need to just keep going. I just want people to sit with this and think about it and and really lean in that that it's when we can become more whole that we find greater happiness, that we find greater peace, and then we can be more effective in leading in the ways that we want to. So thank you for, for having the braveness to have this conversation. One quick thing. Yeah. Um, You know, we've talked about the growth gap tool so often in terms of um, uh, dealing with complaints or frustrations that we have in the world. One, One way to use the growth gap tool is to actually make it subject specific, right? You can start at the front end of that growth gap tool and say, my biggest frustration in relation to to my faith is, um, my biggest frustration in terms of how my, what I feel like I have to do with Mm -hmm. my faith, right? Um, Is you can start with that, put that thing into the growth gap tool, identify the values that are behind why this even bugs you think about things you could do differently, the worry, fear, resistance, and you can get to the very challenge and contradiction that you were just speaking of, what, we're, what we wanna be more about and how we may be holding ourselves in place and then figuring out how to reconcile that tension. And you can do that in conversation with people. You could just take what we just said and just sort of journal about that, integrate it into your life in some way. But, 
but I do think if somebody wants a tool to think through this, they can go to the growinggrownups.com website and download the growth gap tool and actually don't use the same starter. My biggest complaint is, but put that frustration in the mm -hmm. context of their faith and kind of move that forward. And then there are other resources out there that even though we presented them so much in a work context, yeah. I think they're tools that you can actually integrate into that part of the journey. So I don't know if I gave, I gave the right web address, right? Yeah, growinggrownups.com. I think just to make that connection, you know, two of Andy's pieces of advice were about listening to people's stories and expanding our bubble and then being quick to listen and slow to speak, which is a lot of what the self on the shelf tool is designed to do. So another great resource that's out there, if this is an area where you're wanting to kind of expand your understanding, you want to listen to people in different ways, grab maybe those resources. listen to people who are different than you. Yeah. 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 I love it. It's really right. good. Well, listen, Sarah, thanks for the debrief. And we will look forward to seeing our guests or at least speaking where our <laughs> guests can hear us wherever they may be on the next episode. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Growing as Grownups. Take a second and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and tell your friends. You'll find all of the goods related to this episode, including the transcript, videos, links, and other ways we can help you keep growing as a grown-up on our website, growinggrownups.com. Growth isn't easy, but it's completely within your reach. Until next time, journey well, friends.